Welcome to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast, season two. Tune in every Thursday for captivating conversations about life, business, and magic. Created by a cosmic witch for the modern empowered woman seeking to craft a more magical lifestyle. But if you're not a woman, you're welcome too. I'm your host, Alexis Neve. Ready to live life limitless? Then let's dive in. First of all, if this is your first time here, welcome. If it isn't, good to see you again. Today's topic is star magic. Specifically, we are going to talk about meteor showers. It's raining like all the angels in heaven have just finished dark walking and it's windy. So please bear with me if there's any environmental noises. I have left the recording to the last minute, as always, even if all my conversations coming up in the next three episodes have already been recorded. I'm going to refresh our memory about star magic, but if you have never heard any of it, feel free to listen to the star magic episode and come back if that's what you prefer. Then I'm going to look at the myth behind the upcoming meteor showers in the northern hemisphere then leave you with all the details for when to see them if the weather is kind enough for it. But you can still walk with the energies where we are talking about without seeing them. It's just something lovely to do. Finally, the usual title of the week and the main transit to look out for, so you can plan your magical walkings accordingly. Also, Come join us over at Witchy Musings on Substack, or as my friends call it, Ukestack, so you can get the Taurus Season newsletter on Wednesday. It's completely free, although I have a tip jar for the podcast on Red Circle, if you enjoy the content and have a few coins to spare to support it. I also have affiliate links with independent bookstores if you want to get more witchy books and help the podcast at no extra cost to you. The newsletter comes out once a month and I take you behind the scenes of how I use the energy of the season on a practical level in my life as I navigate the aftermath of a toxic relationship and starting a business. All the links are in the show notes. Now, without any further ado, on to this week's topic. Star magic has a long history in many cultures, but as a European woman with a degree in early modern British history, I know most about its history in mine. 
It was a key part of the medieval occult tradition we know from Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, three book of occult philosophy, which claimed its way back to Hermes Trismegistus, although the 19th century scholar Sir Wallace Budge theorized it was in fact Sumerian. Now, these Renaissance polymaths we know from the tradition of natural magic from episode one, catalogued the Behenni, or what we know in English as the Behenians fixed stars, from the Arabic word for root, which is still used to talk about a root. I think I may have mentioned in that episode, but I can't remember. I think my working memory nowadays is absolutely the worst. It's not actually there, I apologize. Anyway, as the name suggests, these were a selection of 15 stars that were believed to be sourced fixed in the sky and sources of magical planet, uh, power for the planets. Since in medieval cosmology, as I said, the stars were fixed, but the planets moved around the Earth, whenever their associated planets were near one of these stars, their powers would be amplified. They also had crystal correspondences and even plants, which I think is a topic for another day since the magic of eye planner has turned into a gig for such things. So why am I talking about these stars today? Because they are also major stars in the constellations involved in the major showers. This time around we have Vega in the Lyrids, also not related to the second major shower which is in the Eta Aquarids, but it's found in the Aquarius constellation, it's Denimal Gedi, and we have also Algo in Taurus, since that's our upcoming astrological season. So I'll actually start with Algo or Beta Perse, just because Vega will be a good segue into the topic of the meteors. This is a star nicknamed the Demon Star, as a direct translation of its Arabic name, and it's a multiple star which is a technical term for a small star system, but it's been known to astronomers for over 3,000 years. Ptolemy, who you may remember from the astrology episode in season 1, associated it with bloody death. After the mist of Perseus and Medusa, which did not end well for her, for this reason it's considered one of the unluckiest stars in the ancient calendars. In the fifth stars, it is associated with Saturn and Jupiter, which is a fascinating combination, and diamond and black hellbore for the German plant. However, the 17th century astrologer William Lilly theorized that it affected every planet within five degrees of its placement. It could be a good star to look into if you're thinking of death witchcraft in a symbolic sense for eclipse season but also if you want to plan around the transit since Jupiter will be at 26 degrees of Taurus in May 2024 and yay me that's my Jupiter return. Good job I'm not superstitious about all these. Diamonds are energy amplifiers and that means both positive and negative by the way and their magical uses are quite extensive anything to do with strength, endurance, creativity, self-expression, clearing emotional pain and more. I'm actually intrigued by what diamonds meant to medieval occultists because I can't see the connection with such a negative star. As for the plant, 
Aside from being a beautiful flower, black hellebore is associated with all of the Scorpio themes you can think of. Winter, death, also the Capricorn one of thriving in unforgiving circumstances, so I can see why Saturn has a correspondence. However, his medicinal use is as a poison, so don't eat it. But if you want to call on demons or curse someone, tradition has your back. Finally, in the language of flowers, hellbore has both the meaning of scandal and hope. Since it's a flower that grows in cold, snowy terrains, then we don't usually associate with blooming anything. So, on to the meteor showers. The first one is the Lyrid from April 16th to April 25th every year. They peak on the 22nd and this year they are likely to be seen just fine because they are over a dark and new moon, even in cities, although the countryside is obviously going to see more of them because of the lack of artificial lights. Vega is one of the main stars in the constellation where the meteors will be located. Some sources suggest that the name may have been a translation of an Arabic word that means falling, which was in full the fallen eagle or vulture in the Latin name. However, the legend of a romance with Altair comes all the way from the Far East. It's the legend behind the Tanabata festival in Japan and there are various myths in China, India, Australia and the Middle East. However, the myth we are going to talk about today is a Greek one. The name of the constellation Lyra comes from the Lyra of Orpheus, which is said to be what was turned into stars, with Vega as its handle. Now, Orpheus was one of the few heroes to have gone into the underworld, in this case to petition Hades to release the soul of his wife. Now, we're going to have a whole episode on Hades being a softie coming up. But what happened was that he did not trust in the god's word about letting her go and he lost his wife forever as a result. Hashtag relatable. Anyway, he goes on to be an emo boy and when he eventually dies, his liar gets taken to the heavens by the muses as a testament to his great musical ability, which, as we know from the other myth, was enough to move the lord of the underworld so much he released a soul. As I said, softy. How did Vega end up as a star in a constellation, you may ask? Probably absolute chance, because the stars we can see with the naked eye look like the shape of a liar. The story of how Vega ended up Vega and Altair, Altair has to do with the Milky Way separating them, since it's a myth of star-crossed lovers separated by an unsupportive parent. Music plays a part too, actually, in some versions as it was Altair's flute that attracted the attention of the lonely star princess, leading to them meeting and falling in love, and then the drama. And yes, I think Voltage's game Starcross Myth is an obvious gender-bent version of this story. Play Ictis. Music also plays a part in the correspondences for the star, which is now found in the constellation of Capricorn and uh, Mercury and Venus. A nice little theme for tourist season is crystallized peridot and the plant winter savory. Fun fact, peridot has been found in some meteorites. Anyway, the magical properties of this beautiful olive green crystal are protective powers to drive away 
fears and nightmares, the gift of inner radiance, sharpening the mind and opening to new levels of awareness and growth, helping one to recognize and realize one's destinies and spiritual purpose. The winter savory has a number of herbal properties if you're into plant medicine, including as an aphrodisiac, which is the most common magical use alongside the summer savory, which is a plant of the same family. Both are used in set spells and it also revitalizes and stimulates the nervous system. But it was mostly a culinary herb in the Roman Empire. And now I said that, that would explain a lot. I'll leave it at that. The second meteor shower in the next few weeks is the eight Aquarius, coming up from about April the 19th to about May the 28th, with the peak around May the 5th. As the name suggests, they are found in the constellation of Aquarius, so quite close to where the Lyrids will be, but you may be able to see both for a few days of overlap. If you need to figure out where the constellations are, download Nice Sky Ads or something similar. It was on my recommendation for Tech Witches in Season 1, but I can't remember off the top of my head if it works on Android or what the alternative would be. The, constella- um, sorry, the meteor showers are best view in the darkness before the dawn. It doesn't have a fit star in the vicinity, although Aquarius does have one, the Denebal Gedi or Delta Capricorni, which corresponds to Mercury and Saturn and Chalcedony and Marjoram. Chalcedony is used to absorb negative energies and bring things into harmony, and Marjoram is associated with love and romance, and the goddess Venus is said to have created it in Greek folklore. So that's a good start if you have a bad relationship that can still be saved and want to do a love spell for that. I'm rooting for you. It also works for other Venusian themes and even releasing negativity and getting over heartbreak. Guess we know what spells I'll be making. Now, a forecast for the week ahead, which is the 13th through to the 20th, when we have the new moon eclipse in Aries, but also the sun going into Taurus. The card for the collective is rather nicely the Ten of Wands. Wands are most commonly associated with careers, creativity and willpower, but another way to look at the fire element is sacred destruction. The Ten itself is a card that calls us to re-evaluate our load. The tenth are cards of the completion of a cycle, but the cyclical nature calls us to make space for the new by letting go of the old. Which goes nicely with the fact we are in waning crescent moon, since this releases on the last quarter moon. We start the day in Capricorn and then it's void of course between 4pm-ish and 11pm-ish Central European time. The transits are all quite positive, with all of the conjunctions we had so far still carrying us through most of the week, and some potential friction between Venus and Saturn, and then also the Moon and Venus on Sunday, and then the Sun will be squaring Pluto with the Dark Moon. Actually, I forgot. (laughs) Venus and Saturn on the 14th. So, 
it's a good week to do what the Ten of Wands calls us to do and reassess our priorities, especially if we are people who have a partner but are married to our jobs. Is this shade on my head? Who can say? But the theme under all of these transits is to focus on what's important, which ties in nicely with the card. And if you need it, the sacred destruction of a fire is at your hands. Metaphorically, please, don't go burning down houses. I start to think I need to make a legal disclaimer about taking no responsibility for what you do with the information I give you. Anyway, next week you'll get to hear my lovely chat with Jamie Green about her new release, The Possibility of Life. Until next time, keep living in wonder. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I really appreciate you being a part of this community. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving it a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify to help me reach more people who would love it too. You can also email me with your questions and comments at starryskypodcast.gmail.com Subscribe to my monthly newsletter, Witchy Musings, on Substack, or find me mostly lurking on Instagram at This is Alexis Neve. Thanks to Jenna Sword for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. Until next time, keep living in wonder. <laughs>